is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. If you still draft quarterbacks in round one, we're here to help. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, welcome to the show. It is Thursday. This is Fantasy Football Today. We got a rookie-only draft coming up, and we're excited about it, but I'm very nervous today because we have two guests in the studio, one you're going to be hearing a lot of. Uh, Dave, Richard, why don't you tell us who's, who's here today? Well, Jamie Eisenberg is Yay, here. Yay, Jamie. <laughs> Welcome, Jamie. Nice to meet you. No. Uh, we've got Ben Gretsch. He's our new editor. Uh, is that the official title? Is editor or is there like yeah, something cooler so. to it besides editor? I think fantasy editor was what I was told. Fantasy editor. But uh, uh, look forward to your contributions because you're not just some guy who's reading our stuff and making sure like names are spelled right. You've got some a great background in fantasy. And some really great ideas, and I'm looking forward to uh, working with you and having you here on the podcast. So welcome. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited as well. It's been a, a fun couple of days down here uh, visiting you guys, getting to know you guys a little bit personally, and really looking forward to, to the season as well. We also have Brian in the studio. Brian has been a fan of the podcast since 2005. Adam, that predates you. Really? No way. He's been a fan yeah. since before then? Yes. You guys like barely had a show back then. We we were a two man operation in a dirty radio studio, but it managed to uh, evolve into this now. And Brian is here, sitting in on the podcast today. I would love to dig up one of those shows. Would you? They were rushed as hell <laughs> because we we I don't I think we had a limit of like forty minutes. So like we would go no, and do go long. No, we were like four. It was like forty five minutes. We had to get through sixteen games. We were only going like once or twice a week. I mean, Brian, you're the expert on this. You're our historian, apparently. Yeah, and it was the um, yeah the video side and the podcast side back mm-hmm. then too, and they were the same. I'm pretty sure they were the same thing for a while that you were you were recording videos. Um, Adam, at the same Adam's time. here for those. Okay, okay, so that wasn't 2005 then. That okay. was more like 2000. And I didn't start till 2006. Right. Okay. Oh, that's a good point. So then 2000 and maybe 10, something like that. Who the hell knows? But he's been around for a long time. Welcome. All right, welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for listening. That is really awesome. And uh, now you get to see it in action. So we are going to start with an email. We're going to talk about veteran, NFL veterans that were winners or losers from the NFL draft. Uh, and then get into the rookie draft and read some emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Ben, we'll find out more about you in a little bit. We want to know how you feel about Jerry Maguire and if it's a football movie, that's the most important thing. But this email <laughs> is from Jason from OKC. Hey, gray, round, flat, and gummy. Now, Ben, this is your first chance to guess the greeting. Hey, gray, round, flat, and gummy. What do those four have in common? Gray, round, flat, and gummy. Yeah. Gummy gives it away. Bears? No. <laughs> Close. <laughs> yes. Close. They are worms. Okay. They are worms. And, Jamie, we will probably talk about gray worm at the end of the show. Can Marcus Mariota be a deep sleeper this year with all the weapons he has around him? That is a question from Jason. Can Marcus Mariota be a deep sleeper this year? Guys, what do you think? I guess by definition of deep sleeper, yes. But you're not going to draft him in one quarterback leagues. It just doesn't make sense. No, it, I don't think the sum of his parts makes him a, a great fantasy quarterback. Not to mention the fact that I don't know how reliable he is to play 16 games. Yeah, I don't, I'm really buying that he has all these weapons around him, unless A.J. Brown's really good. He's got decent weapons, I guess. He is good. He's a he's a polished slot receiver. It's just a matter of whether or not the Titans give him the opportunity to be good. Okay, sure, well, thank yeah. you for the email. Oh, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I think the the one argument, if you want to make a counter-argument for Mariota, is just that their pass volume's probably got to come up this year. I mean, it was extremely, extremely low last year with Mariota's injuries and some Matt Castle mixed in there, but uh, I tend to agree as well. Great. See, Ben and I are still working on our chemistry. That's why I interrupted him. Ben, how about you give us a winner or two, an NFL veteran that you think is a winner after the NFL draft? I think Ronald Jones is a big one. Um, I know he's been talked a lot and talked about a lot, and he's obviously not like a, a long-term veteran. But uh, second-round pick last year was one of the youngest. Uh, I think he was the youngest rookie running back last year uh, in in the in the draft, and you know obviously had a very disappointing first se- uh, first season last year. But uh, the fact that Tampa Bay didn't invest again at uh, running back is is pretty promising for for him looking forward to 2019. 
Yeah, he lasted. We did a draft yesterday. I won't spoil it. It's going to be out in a magazine publication. Jamie, you can give the details on that. But Jones went pretty late. I took him, and it's just he was probably the last starting, assuming he's the starter, starting running back to go. Be my guess. Nobody. Well, where did Peyton interest. Barber go before him? Yeah, like you know, Peyton Barber's not that good. Why? Why would you take him before Jones? Wouldn't you rather gamble? Uh, on the unknown, I, I guess you know it depends. It's it's like the Lamar Miller argument, you know, safety over upside. You know, so Peyton Barber is probably safer. You know, I was uh, looking at this uh, recently about. I just went and found the article again. Uh, what Bruce Arian said about Peyton Barber because he's been talking up both guys. I mean, rightfully so, which is you know kind of the situation that they're in. Um, I'm sure when Heath joins us, he'll tell you his favorite guy is Bruce Anderson, who's a guy that they signed off the street and is a Tampa local. You know, you you want to. Uh, hope for the Philip Lindsay comparison, uh, Denver product who played at Colorado and, you know, is now the starting running back for the Broncos. You know, that, that could easily happen, but, um, it, it sounds as if it's going to be an open competition. If, if Ronald Jones plays to what he showed in college and, and lives up to some of the potential that he had, he should blow away Peyton Barber. But, you know, Peyton Barber is just kind of that steady Eddie type of guy that gets the job done, does the right thing. And if he does that in Bruce Arians offense, he could be a decent fantasy option. Yeah, but uh, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not sexy, but no, but again, it's bad. It's not just not sexy. It's bad. He, he's bad. Huh? He's he's not a good player. Like he's maybe he just needs to be in a better offense. You know, maybe Bruce Arians will unlock some potential. But Peyton Barber is is as jaggy as it gets. Sure, and he doesn't catch passes. But in in that same sense, if he's not that good, what does that make Ronald Jones if he doesn't right. play well? And and Ronald Jones did not look great as a pass catcher last year either. I mean, I I, I definitely get what Jamie's saying. <laughs> one, literally one. One. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely get what Jamie's saying, and I think uh, Peyton Barber's a, a pretty solid value too. I mean, the, the reality is no running backs for this team, a Bruce Arians offense, are being drafted anywhere you know resembling a starting running back spot. So I think both are worthwhile investments. Heard a hot rumor yesterday that they're one of the teams talking to Cleveland about Duke Johnson. Well, that's been the case for a while. Okay, and that Gerald McCoy is who they're offering? You've heard that? That would be so stupid if that's the case. (laughs) Gerald McCoy straight up for Duke Johnson. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if I like that either. It would would give the Bucs cap relief. That's pretty much the strength of the deal. Right, right. Okay, uh, more winners. What do we got? I don't care who speaks. Uh, I mean, Mariota, to me, was kind of a winner. I mean, I think A.J. Brown is a pretty talented receiver. He was my number two receiver pre-draft. Um uh, I do think that the fact they they only threw I believe 437 passes last year, second fewest in the league. It was also the second fewest over the last five years because um, you know teams just typically don't throw fewer than 450 passes. So I do expect that just by you know natural regression to to, to bump up a little bit. I hated the fit though for the Titans just because signing Adam Humphreys, you have to play him in the slot. Sure, he can't play outside. So AJ Brown, I agree with you. I think he profiles so much better as a slot receiver. He did play outside, obviously, when Metcalf got hurt, so he can do it. But his strength would be to play in the slot. Right. And it just feels like Tennessee – Tennessee just feels like one of those teams that's going to ruin prospects. You know? Yep. Like, it took them so long to finally get Derrick Henry right last year, figure out their blocking and getting him, you know, the right touches in the right situation. And you saw what he could potentially become. I feel like A.J. Brown's going to be limited in this offense. Plus, you wonder if Mariota does get hurt, and now they should have a capable backup. If Tannehill does – play to what his peak has been mm-hmm. does Mario to come back on the field knowing that he may not eventually be the long-term starter there so I agree with what you're saying and it's like you know what uh, uh who's our worm fan um Jason from OKC right you know it it, it, it speaks to what Mario could potentially become you just have to hopefully all these parts work together right and and uh, uh to your point about Tennessee as a team, Mike Vrabel, defensive-minded head coach, definitely showed last year when they got into good game scripts the willingness to just run the ball, take the air out of the ball. So the, the idea that their their pass attempts will jump up is not really guaranteed. They might still uh, you know fall way down at the bottom of the league again in 2019. It's also a weird offensive coordinator too with Arthur right. Smith. Uh, yeah, bumped up I hate it. Coach. Um, I hate, yeah. It's my least favorite offensive coordinator. I, I, I will say it's a fascinating story though. He's uh, the son of the FedEx founder. Yes. Who's been with the Titans for like a decade? Four, I, you know, I just happened to you know being in Nashville, you hear a lot about the the team. Clearly, he's uh, he survived four different coaching regimes. Yep. Wow, mm. <laughs> pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah. So some of the winners that we've already talked about are like Mark Ingram, 
Um, Lamar Jackson to a degree. Well, not Lamar Jackson. Uh, Devontae Freeman's a big one for me. Uh, Joe, Joe Mixon, I think Jamie mentioned on Friday's show. So we, we've covered them. We haven't covered Lamar Miller yet. And is Lamar Miller the big winner? Is Deontay Foreman the big winner? You know, what's the running back situation as you read it in Houston, guys? I think reluctantly Lamar Miller is a winner because no one's going to be that excited to draft him. But he's the coaches like him. It's clear they've had chances over the last two years. They've had chances over the last two years to replace him during the season, though. From time to time, yeah, and that guy who they used to replace him isn't on the team anymore, and they didn't replace him. Now, they—if you want to talk about undrafted running backs or late-round running backs—they got Karan Higdon from Michigan. Maybe he turns into something. Maybe they're banking on Deontay Foreman, uh, now a year removed from the Achilles, being uh, in good shape, but. He's going to enter training camp as the lead back in Houston. I wouldn't be excited to draft him unless it's round six and I'm desperate for a running back. Man, that because I what? Yeah, again, I don't want to give away too much of the draft that we did yesterday, but I was faced with that predicament of do I draft Lamar Miller? And he was at a really good value. And Jamie, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. I mean, you, you could talk in. in you can be generic. We just don't want to give away the draft that we're putting in a maxi. <laughs> yeah, I, I took Miles Sanders over Lamar Miller. That's the last thing I'll say about the draft, I promise. And I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you know, again, you're talking it's the same thing with the with the Bucks. It's upside versus safety. You know what Lamar Miller is going to give you. And if things just all, all of a sudden click with their, I, I'm using air quotes here, revamped offensive line because they made some questionable draft choices about their picks. If that happens to help, then he could – Maybe hit his ceiling, but we're talking about a guy that's closing in on 30 that is productive, but productive to an extent and in an offense that, you know, can easily get away from leaning on the run. So it's, it's, uh, you know, if Miles Sanders can somehow become the lead back in Philly. And when I say that, I mean like keeping Jordan Howard off the field, playing on all three downs, which is just not a Doug Peterson thing, then he should blow Lamar Miller out of the water. But it's just a question of that's kind of why they're in the same range. I mean, I have them almost back to back. Uh, again, and I would say Lamar Miller is the safer of the two. Miles Sanders is the one with the arrow pointing upside. Safer, but to your point, you know, he he might hit a ceiling, but what is Lamar Miller's ceiling? I mean, it's not probably an RB1 season. It's probably maybe a high-end RB2 season. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of saw last year it was that season for Lamar Miller. He didn't get threatened a ton. So there is that increased risk this year that if Deontay Foreman is in better shape, I mean, he was a phenomenal college player. The Achilles is obviously a very difficult injury to come back from, but – uh, yeah, I mean, Lamar Miller, not sexy at all. <laughs> right. Nope, he's B. Arthur. Four games <laughs> last year with 15 or more PPR points. So ben, Four out of 14. Ben, would you take Eagles rookie running back Miles Sanders or veteran running back Lamar Miller? I mean, I'd take Sanders. I'd take the unknown. Uh, I, you know, I think there's value in that. Just we don't know. And I, there's some inherent upside in that with, with pretty much any rookie, rookie. There's players that we don't think are good sometimes, uh, you know, some years and then they end up being very, very good. Uh, guys come out of nowhere. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the situation with Miles Sanders. And I don't really love his situation either because of the way that they've used the committee in, in Philadelphia for several years now. Yeah. Um, I, I think they will split those touches quite a bit. So I, I think both those guys don't have great upside, frankly. I, I think with Miller, it's one of those scenarios in both these guys. If you have two solid running backs, take the chance on Sanders. Yep. You have two questionable running backs, you take Miller. Because you, you just have to sort of balance your team. You know, you, you know Lamar Miller's not going to hurt you. I mean, what, what was the, the line we always said? Seven, eight points for him? In standard, in non-PPR, right. yeah, yeah. So you, you, you know that's not going to crush your team on a weekly basis. Now, Sanders could be one of those guys that gets you two or three because they just don't use him, and, and we don't know. Yep. So it's, it's kind of just the way your, your team starts with those first five or six picks. Yeah, and Philadelphia, they do obviously spread the ball around with their carries. Um, but at one point last year, I think they had just sort of had enough and they gave Josh Adams like 20 carries back to back games, I want to say. But mm-hmm. that's yeah, not, it's, that's it's not their track what, you know, record, like, but it's, it's a possibility if he's just so much that better didn't than last. Right, right, right. They well, lost he's so not much that they good. drafted Miles Sanders. He's not a three down back, though. That's part of the problem. You know, you hear what Howie Roseman saying, the GM of the Eagles, that this is the first three down back really that they've had right. in God knows how many years. You know, probably says McCoy. So. They've been searching for this, you know, the, the, the Jay Ajayi trade, the Jordan Howard trade, you know, taking Adams off the scrap heap. You know, it, it's just they're trying to find something to have some success from that position. And while Doug Peterson may not want to use one guy, it may be out of necessity that he never had one guy. Mm-hmm. So 
if this is the guy, he could be a star. And the last thing I'll say is I took Sanders over Miller, and I do not expect Sanders to be better than Miller for the first, I don't know, six weeks of the season. I'm hoping that that's a type, that's a type of pick that pays off down the stretch and into the fantasy playoffs. I mean, what you're hoping is that he's, he's Alvin Kamara. I mean, you're hoping he comes into a, a combo. I'll, and, I'll and take that's, that. <laughs> that's an absurd, of course, yeah, of course. Kamara. That's an absurd comp, but you're hoping he comes into a situation where veterans are, are present and there is a little bit of a, uh, um, a split in the backfield, but he is that good and that dynamic that he just makes his imprint on the offense. Maybe not exactly like Kamara, but has that type of impact where it's clear that he's so good, he's going to get touches every week. Um, but... Again, that's the really, yeah. really high ceiling. Forget about skill set. If you just want to go with what the Bears said, three cone. You know, 170 touches over the course of the season. If you give Miles Sanders that, maybe he has a chance to be a decent fantasy option. Not, again, to what three cone produced because mm-hmm. I think Cohen's clearly a different running back, different style. But if you give Sanders 170 total touches, he's going to have a chance to put up some good numbers. Yeah. All right, Jamie, who else won after the draft? Veteran-wise that we haven't talked about? Yeah. Um, or Dave. Geronimo Allison. Yes. Geronimo Not that Allison. I talk about him a lot, to be honest. Um, <laughs> look, the Packers, I, I didn't expect them to add a receiver. I thought tight end was the route they were going to go. That's what they did. They added Jay Sternberger. Um, you know, losing Randall Cobb. They're going to be creative with their slot position, uh, whether it's moving Devonta Adams there a little bit more is what they've talked about, or maybe even Allison in that spot to get a bigger slot receiver. It, it's going to be an, an opportunity for him if he stays healthy to put up big numbers. You saw it over the first four games last season. You know, he was on pace for, uh, you know, over a thousand yards receiving. Uh, I forgot the touchdowns were probably eight touchdowns would be my guess. Um, and, and Aaron Rodgers seems to like him, you know, so, uh, I expect one of the three young kids to step up, whether it's, uh, I'm never going to say their names, but MSV, ESB, or Jamon Moore. Um, MVS. <laughs> you didn't even get the initials. Whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. One of the three yeah. kids to step up. Uh, someone you know. from the alphabet soup. Right. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I referenced this a few times. I talked to Devontae Adams at the Pro Bowl. You know, he's excited that at the time, you know, they weren't sure about Allison's status because he was a restricted free agent. Uh, but he was hoping that they brought them back. You know, he was pretty honest at that point. He said Randall Cobb's probably gone. And he said it. He's like, you know, we need one of the younger guys to help us out. And, you know, whoever that may be, again, Valdez Gantling looks to be the most polished of the trio based on what we saw last year. But, uh, you know, one of those guys is going to get an opportunity. Uh, but I still think Allison in this role in this Packers offense with Matt LaFleur now the coach, hopefully being a little bit more creative than what we saw from Mike McCarthy, just run, turn around and hope Aaron Rodgers finds you. Um, <laughs> it, it could be a big season for him. I mean, you, you know, uh, I, I won't use the expletive I said to you when you drafted him four picks before me, um, <laughs> but I hate you. <laughs> uh, Dave, give me a winner. This is a hot take. Damian Williams won. He won, but but I I wonder if I'm not ready. I'm not Carlos ready to Hyde. say he's his job is in jeopardy because they spent a six round pick on Darwin Thompson. I like Darwin Thompson. No, his too. job is in jeopardy because they traded for Carlos Hyde. Or they signed like, Carlos Hyde. They signed Carlos he's, Hyde. I think he's good depth. I think Darwin Thompson can probably fit in potentially on third downs as a receiver. But to me, that was his best skill set was his hands. But I, I think what the, the Chiefs like for their running back. Right, right, sure. But that's something Damian Williams proved to be very adept at when they gave him the opportunity. I think he's going to begin the season as the starter. Oh, great. And yeah. it's just a matter of how well he hangs in there in the first three or four weeks. And if he does half as well as he did last season, he's going to be in there all 16 weeks. That's probably fair. I mean, he was very good last year when he got he the was, opportunity. It was. It, you can't expect him you know, on pace for like 27 touchdowns mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm, I'm going to take the under there. But they added Mecole Hardman, which is someone that can take the top off the defense. And also take touches in the backfield. They could, yeah, uh, 30 over the course of the season, 30 or 40 over the course of the season. It's still another guy to feed. I, I don't, I don't, do you, I, I, I mean, these Damian, two guys don't negate Damian Williams for me. I'm still happy to take him and shoot. In our drafts, I bet I can find him in round four because so many people in our league don't like him. Well, in, in our drafts with our. Colleagues, yes, because you're the only one that says gung ho about him as you are. Um, I, I think Damian Williams is going to have to prove himself, so I'm, I'm going to take a little bit more cautious approach. Uh, I'd much rather take the value on Hyde with a mid round pick or Thompson with a late round pick. Okay, and for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I drafted these guys, but just thinking about them in the draft that we did yesterday, what happened in the NFL draft solidifies Don, Devontae Adams. Not that a wide receiver was ever really going to take targets too many from him. Personally, I don't see why Devontae Adams shouldn't be, at worst, the number two wide receiver off the board. 
Um, he led the NFL in red zone targets last year. A- Aaron Rodgers more or less always has one of his wide receivers in the top four in red zone targets. And Travis Kelsey, it's really it's not the Hardman thing; it's the Tyreek Hill thing. Travis Kelsey, uh, he was he was the number eight wide receiver in fantasy last year, and obviously the number one tight end. And I just think his role is is I think he can be as good as he was last year based on the draft and based on the Tyreek Hill thing. So. Uh, How about this? How about this for kind of an off the wall winner, David Johnson? I mean, I I haven't heard a lot talked about him, but with Kyler Murray obviously coming in, two really good young receivers they added to Christian Kirk. I mean, I think that passing game will be significantly better this year, especially with Cliff Kingsbury running that offense. The offense was just really poorly run last year. They ran David Johnson up the middle a ton. They wouldn't split him out wide, which was so successful back in 2016. Uh, we can already probably expect that they'll use him better just by nature of him not. It's kind of like the Jeff Fisher rule where after Fisher left the Rams, Todd Gurley got used a lot differently, and it was very, very helpful for him just by by nature of David Johnson not being used like he was used last year, which I think was probably the worst way to use a weapon like him. Um, it should be a, a lot better situation for him, but they added so many pieces now to the passing game. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about David Johnson now. It's going to be interesting with this Kingsbury offense because he's so used to the wider field. And so how the shrinking a little bit will sort of impact how they mm-hmm. go side to side. You know, he's already talking about, um, I think Isabella was what we were saying yesterday or two days ago about how we're going to use him side to side. It's just going to be interesting to see how, you know, how that fits. Yeah. And going against, you know, a lot more speed. Um, it, it could either be really successful or he could be a, a one year flop. Yeah, and the hash mark, the field isn't any wider, but obviously Jamie knows this, but just in case you don't, the hash marks are wider on the college football field, so the ball is snapped, you know, more towards the sideline, and I think that's because the NFL, the college quarterbacks can't make the same types of sideline throws as the NFL quarterbacks, so they give them short, like a shorter sideline. But it's game playing different though. Yeah, it does, it does give you like this big wide side of the field, It, it changes things a little bit. Uh, all right, we got to get some losers, too. I just want to tell everybody about Sportsline.com. Sportsline, use the promo code DERBY. Kentucky Derby's coming up this week. Ben, you got a Kentucky Derby pick? Nope, I don't even know. All I know is a favorite was scratched. I don't even know any of the the horses. Well, then you should, go to, field. you should go to Sportsline, man, and use the right. code DERBY. $1 for your first month. We got Hammer and Hank Goldberg. He's always plugged in. He's going to have a great pick for you. So check it out on Sportsline.com. It's not just Kentucky Derby. Anything you want to gamble on, we got some fantasy advice on there. Um, awesome stuff, and the promo code, again, is Derby. We are on Spotify, so check us out there. Uh, we have so many other podcasts, so go to cbssports.com slash podcasts and check that out. And let's talk about some losers now. Uh, to me, uh, you know, Corey Davis, is he even draftable at this point now that they've added A.J. Brown? Yes. Draftable, yeah, yes. Of course. And he's, actually, like he, was, like he could fall into a decent value. But he like he didn't do he hasn't done anything. He's he's nothing he had over but pedigree. Last season. He had like yeah, a good again, five game stretch. To Ben's point, you had a quarterback playing with nerve issue and then an elbow issue. And so the hope would be and it's hope. I mean, because look, Davis has been a failure. You know, he he probably shouldn't have been a top ten overall pick, you know, three years ago. But this is the season. You know, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Third-year receivers, this is the year he's got to take that next step forward. Hopefully he does. Um, hopefully there's a little bit more pressure off of him because of the addition of A.J. Brown and Adam Humphreys and, and a healthy Delaney Walker. Is he ever going to develop into a true number one dynamic star? Probably not with this team. But I, I think, you know, to say he's not draftable is a little bit ridiculous. I mean, he did flash that number one oh, ability a couple times last year. I mean, against the right. Eagles, I think it was the the overtime game. He scored the game the winner. playoff game two years ago against the Yeah, Patriots I mean, he's game. had those moments, and then like we said, the Titans have had some really weird game script games a, a couple of times over the last couple of years where they've just kind of taken the air out of the ball. That's impacted his ability to be consistent in you know a fantasy sense, in the box score sense. Um, yeah, he definitely has to be more consistent to, to take that step, but I think he has the skill set. He's shown it at, at times, so it's still very possible. I, I, he's not one of my favorite receivers this year necessarily, especially with them adding two other uh, interesting receiving pieces. But um, if you know the, the argument again, if if Tennessee throws a little bit more this year, he he could definitely break out in his third season, like like Jamie said. All right, f- fair enough. I somebody has to draft Corey Davis. It's not. I'm not going to be that person. But would you do it in round ten? Maybe. I, I mean, just which, to stash which on your bench Tennessee wide receiver would you draft first? Davis. Still Davis. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, who else lost? 
Mike Davis. Mike Davis looked like he might actually be an interesting running back piece, but the mm-hmm. Bears, with no picks really at all, still decided to trade up and grab uh, David Montgomery, and that's not a great sign for Mike Davis. He's he's no longer relevant. Who else lost? Here's a hot take. Hot take number two for me. Todd Gurley lost. <laughs> yes, now there's a report that oh. – well, not a report. Uh, their coach said they're going to use more two-back sets. Yeah, it's, it's. I think that scary. was all the evidence we needed that we're not going to see the same workload for Todd Gurley this year. Yep. I mean, there was already a concern, obviously, with the knee, but um, that was pretty clear evidence that the Rams are taking that, that very seriously, and they're probably going to limit his workload this year. And he's Henderson's going to end up being a hot fantasy pick in the back half of drafts. After what C.J. Anderson did to close yes. last year, why would he? And it's not just that. Even if Gurley's healthy, this guy's going to have a role. Mm-hmm. And he's got speed. He can catch out of the backfield. And Sean McVay is creative. There's there's going to be games where he's the, – the problem is he's going to have some good games. You're just not going to know when they're going to happen. So yeah. putting him in your lineup, it's it's going to be like one of those situations where, crap, I'm I'm short on running backs this week. He's on my bench. I'm going to put him in. Probably a better best ball pick than than weekly lineups pick. Sure. He, he probably will get the Un- TDs in a good offense, you know, occasionally, sporadically, in a, in a few big plays, like you said. Right, until the Rams run out of Ben Gay and – Gurley's arthritis acts up and then he's out and then we've got Daryl Henderson as the starter and then he'll work with Malcolm Brown they're not gonna have Malcolm Brown as the lead back when they've got Daryl Henderson those two might split fitty fitty but they're they're going to make good use of Henderson interested to see where Henderson goes in our dynasty draft which we will do very shortly um because you know it'll be a a first round pick well uh, he's he is still stuck behind Todd Gurley let's not forget that you know um, all right, we got let, we got a little. Give me one more loser. We're gonna get Heath in here, and um, we'll have him step in for uh, for Ben and do the rookie draft with us. Is it exciting to say Larry Fitzgerald is a loser? No, we are. I think we already talked about that. Okay. Anyone else? I, I was gonna say him and, and Christian Kirk. Obviously, I mean they added two good receiving weapons there. So Christian, Kirk I do. I do like about. that Kirk and Ricky Seals Jones is. They've both worked with Kyler Murray in the past. They know what this offense entails. So I'm I'm not ready to drop Christian Kirk in my rankings. Question for Ben, then. If you think Christian Kirk is a loser, do you also feel that way about Dante Pettis? Uh, I, I, he, yes, his value takes a little bit of a hit, but I don't think it's, it's horrible. The, the issue with San Francisco to me is it's just going to be really hard to tell. Like, this is going to be an extremely difficult team to project. Who's going to get the the work? I think they'll probably rotate a lot. I'm not super, super high on Pettis personally. I mean, he flashed definitely in his rookie season, but um, I think this is an offense that will probably wind up spreading the ball around quite a bit this year. And obviously their number one receiver is their tight end, George mm-hmm. Kittle. So that impacts the ceiling for a guy like Pettis or anybody in their receiving core. I feel the same way about Pettis and Kirk. I think they both lose slightly. I think, you know, you, you looked at what their scenarios were prior to the draft and they had, well, I don't want to say immense upside, but they had a ton of upside just given their roles. And then you see both teams go out and get two other receiving options for the most part, relatively early in the draft. And so the, the, the herd pick by San Francisco is going to be a little bit of a weird one because, you know, I think we talked about this. They're, they're planning to use him a little bit of tight end. He's a hybrid type of player. But, you know, I, I think Debo Samuel is going to unfortunately move Pettis around where he should still be good, but just not maybe as great, like similar to A.J. Brown. I think Dante Pettis' best asset is to probably be in the slot. And then you look at Kirk, same thing. But you have Fitzgerald still going to play. I don't think they're kicking Fitzgerald off the field by any stretch. And so you're adding these two other guys. And Isabella and Butler, and so that's going to hurt those guys as well. So it's just not maximizing what their ceiling could be for those two guys. They still should be, in, at least in Pettis's case, the best receiver on the team. But where he could have been without these moves, now you know they were going to add somebody, but without these moves, because they're still going to play Marquis Goodwin too, it's going to hurt those guys just to where, again, their maximum potential could come from. All right, Ben. Nice debut. Solid debut. Good stuff. Now, is Jerry Maguire a football movie? Very important question. I. How is that even a question? It's very clearly it's obviously a not a football Thank movie, you. right? <laughs> you Thank said, you, Ben. No, yeah. how is it a football? There's no football in it, Ben. There's no. There's like really almost but no. There football. actually is football. There's very I mean, little. I remember like touchdown dances and very in little the stadium. Yeah, that's what. And, and what else? What other football scenes do you remember? I mean, it's a movie about a football agent. It's, it's very clearly a football movie. It's about his love life, though. It's not about football. <laughs> 
Ben, you Ben, you've just ex- you just experienced the good and bad of Adam. Good <laughs> yeah. football host, uh, good at hosting a football podcast. Terrible at anything else. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thanks for coming on, man. It was great to uh, hear from you, and it will not be the last time. We'll hear from you again soon. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, we're gonna get Heath Cummings on now. We got our rookie draft. So pretend you're in a dynasty league. You've got your squad, and you're drafting only rookies. How many picks should we do, guys? 30? 36? 36. Okay. Who wants the first pick? It doesn't matter. We're all going to take this. Or actually, we won't take this. So, Heath, guy. people are, are disagreeing on who's the first pick, right? Uh, yes. Uh, as of yesterday, there were 22 people that have post-draft rookie rankings on Fantasy Pros. There were five different number ones. <laughs> I think we only have two different number ones in this room. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll go first, and I'll just take Josh Jacobs, number one. Does it, who okay. dis, who disagrees with that? I have David Montgomery number one. Okay. All right. So uh, Heath, you can pick second. I'll take David Montgomery. Okay. <laughs> Dave. Uh, Miles Sanders would be third for me. Jamie. Uh, I'll take Nikhil Harry. Damn. And I, I I think that that's. I don't think it's a slam dunk that running backs are going to be the first three picks off the board in a rookie-only draft. There could be some Nikhil Harry up there, maybe some Marquise Brown, the occasional TJ Hawkinson, but I, I think that you'll see that in the majority of leagues. And then that makes the number four spot really, really tricky because I don't think there's a consensus number four. Well, so we've got Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, three running backs, then Patriots wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Like what I what I think we should do is we should each say what our top four is for a rookie only draft. That's my top four. In that order. Jacobs, Montgomery, yep. Sanders, Harry. Yep. And mine is Jacobs, Montgomery, Sanders, Paris Campbell. Mine is Montgomery, Jacobs, DK Metcalf, Harry. Mine is definitely Jacobs, Montgomery, Sanders, and then I do struggle between Harry, Hawkinson, and Marquise Brown. Um I guess Nikhil Harry makes sense. I I'll take um I will take Marquise Brown fifth. Ravens wide receiver, first round pick. Heath, you're up with the sixth pick. I will take DK Metcalf, my number three player. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. Dave? I'm a Paris Campbell guy. I think he's the safest receiver in the class. Clearly, there's not going to be a lot of consensus in the middle of round one in a rookie only draft. Uh, Jamie, eighth? I'll take AJ Brown. AJ Brown for Tennessee. So. Three running backs, five wide receivers. I think it's time for TJ Hawkinson, ninth. I'll take Hawkinson. Uh, let me just recap. Uh, Jacobs, Montgomery, Sanders, Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, Paris Campbell, AJ Brown, TJ Hawkinson. The funny thing is, Jamie took AJ Brown number, number eight, right? I've got him seven, so I think that was a, a steal. Steal. I also have two <laughs> players ranked ahead of AJ Brown that haven't been taken yet. So I will take Hakeem Butler. Okay, for Arizona. Why, like, why? Hakeem Butler was my number one overall before the draft. He fell, obviously, in the draft, which hurts his stock all the way to the fourth round. But I think that the landing spot almost makes up for that. Well, okay, I, we obviously have our own way of evaluating players. He was your number one wide receiver. He was the 14th receiver taken. Is that a red flag for you? That's 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 what I just said. Yeah, but I mean that's a that's a huge drop. I, I dropped him five spots. Okay, uh, Dave. After I think it, what you're seeing really, and it happened with a lot of the bigger wide receivers. The NFL really went after the smaller, quicker guys more in this draft. But that's interesting because I think that Hakeem Butler has some good speed. Yeah, he's, he's not, not the fastest. He's right. not going to win a race with Hollywood Brown, but he's he's pretty good. He's got speed. But it's interesting. Like I don't think. And again, you know, we talked about this the other day. Mock drafts versus NFL evaluations is totally different. Of course. But I don't think anybody saw Arcega Whiteside going ahead of him. Even his own teammate, Isabella, I don't think anybody saw him going ahead of Butler. Deontay Johnson. Meikle. Meikle. Nobody thought Meikle. Jalen Hurd. Yeah. Terry McLaurin. You know, I mean, it, it a lot of speed um, to Heath's point. If Meikle Hardman is still available in three picks in this rookie draft, I will be drafting him very happily. Uh, Dave, you have the 10th pick. And it comes down to Miko Hardman and Noah Fant for me. And I'm going, I'm going to say Fant 
is the better pick. I think he'll have a better, the longevity for him is better than Hardman. Hardman will be better in 2019. Jamie, yeah, you're... Ah, okay. So uh, we're finishing up round one of our rookie draft. Who am I going to take? This is the start well, of this round is, two. Right, we've gone through 12 picks already. Oh, right, so I have 13. And uh, Daryl Henderson hasn't been picked yet, so Jamie yeah, was no, right. No, I'm He's not a round two him. guy. I'm not going to take him. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Kyler Murray, 13. All right, let's, I, let's, I've got him 15. I am surprised that my next pick is still there because I have him sixth in my dynasty rankings, and I thought that Jamie liked him more than I did. So Devo. I'm going to go with Devo Samuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, what, the third wide receiver drafted uh, right early in round two. San Francisco's Devo Samuel was 14. Uh, Dave, you have the 15th pick. And I will happily take Devin Singletary with the 15th overall selection. And I think you'll see him in round two more often than not. And you're probably going to throw away his 2019. Won't play much this year unless the running back situation changes in Buffalo. But, boy, is there an opportunity for him moving forward. And he's so fun to watch. That's Buffalo's rookie running back, Devin Singletary. Jamie, 16. Yeah, I'll take Daryl Henderson. I love that. All right, for mm-hmm. the Rams, Daryl Henderson. I checked Dave in the one fall the second round. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I have the uh, – Probably the 11th pick. I don't know how we're doing the draft. I, I was the runner-up in our Dynasty League, and I have Todd Gurley. And I I probably would take Henderson, in my situation, probably take him 11th. I've got him 10th. Overall. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a similar situation yeah. in one of my, my Dynasty Leagues. I think I'm picking 8th. Uh, but this is a weird league. It's Superflex League, and the quarterbacks go very early. So Kyler will definitely go in probably the first 7 picks. And I would not be surprised if Haskins goes, Haskins goes also. I'm excited to take this next guy. I know there's health concerns, obviously, but Bryce Love, I think, has a lot of potential. I will wow. Take, I will take Washington's rookie running back out of Stanford, Bryce do you think, Love. Do you think he could be the starter next year? Not, is not that, at is first. Is that your thought process? Not oh. at first, um, but yeah. Because, I, I mean, Peterson's gone. I just finished writing Alex for the uh, Redskins. Oh, no, 2020? He's not starting this year. Yes, 2020, I, I think, yes, he can be. I think it was the worst pick of the draft so far. Well, I think you could have waited a, a full round. five picks. I think around. Yeah, I've got him in the 30s in my rankings. I, I, I think, to be to be 43rd. fair, to, if we go back and look at dynasty draft, rookie-only drafts before these guys even play, like it, it's a lot of guesswork. Oh, so for sure. If you like but a guy, you, you take you, him. You still reach. That's the fun of it. Okay, I, okay, fine. I reached. <laughs> you must I don't love. Think, I don't Bryce think I did. I do. I I think he's terrific. Um, so that's what you have to do in a dynasty league. The players that you've got conviction on are the ones you're going to have to take before anybody else would take them. Yeah. Now you also have to look at at you know ADP. Now I know who you're taking in round two in our. Uh, well, maybe league. I don't have to. This is a good learning exercise. Uh, J- Heath, eighteenth. I will take Miles Boykin, my number thirteen player. I think there's a, a, a good chance that long term he's better than Marquise Brown. And I think he might score more touchdowns as a rookie than Marquise Brown. And he's got the opportunity to play right away, too. So a lot of ways that he can help you win. I like him a lot, too. Uh, I'm going to go with Jay Sternberger, the new Green Bay Packers stud tight end who had a Gronk-like effect at Texas A&M. Uh, Jay Sternberger, 19. Okay, Jamie? Um, I am struggling with two players here, so I'm going to take the one who could be very good in 2020. At least I think so. Justice Hill. Oh, yeah. I was probably going to take him, too. Justice Hill, 20. Okay, that puts me on the clock at 21. Got to look at my sheet here. Who's available? Did we take our Sega Whiteside yet? He is available. Okay. Did we take Damian Harris? We didn't didn't take Damian Harris. Nope. No. I will take, um, yeah, I'll take uh, Irv Smith. <laughs> that was the one I was debating. Okay, Irv Smith. Yeah, I think that's Vikings very good. Tight end. Finally, good job. Finally. <laughs> All right, Heath, you're 22. Your first good pick in the second round. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to uh, – I'll take Damian Harris. Not really happy Wow. <laughs> I'm not terrible. Really happy I, about it, I thought you no, might have fine. taken somebody else. Heath. Yeah, I'm going to let you take him. I'm going to take the Broadway show. Alexander Madison. His name is Alexander <laughs> Madison. <laughs> it's Vikings. I'm going to have to learn that song. Right. Okay, so we had Damian Harris, 22, right? And Alexander Madison for the Vikings, 23. And Jamie, last pick of round two. I'm going to trust the Steelers. They have a pretty good tendency of finding wide receiver talent 
uh, that most people don't expect. So I'm going to take Deontay Johnson. Yeah, he's 20th for me. I like him. Have you have you watched him? Have you had a chance to watch him yet? A little bit. He's he's got some sizzle to his game. Yep. He, he can move. Okay, I think it's time to take JJ Arcega Whiteside with the first pick of round three, 25th overall. JJ Arcega Whiteside. Wow. For the Eagles. That that was a good pick. I have him 23rd. Oh, perfect. I, I think this is the first time where I may just be taking someone right where I have them ranked. Um, there's only been one player, I guess, taken. Well, actually, there's, there's been there's 25. Been, no, well, I'm, I'm confused, but I'm going to take – I'll take Andy Isabella. Now I've got Akeem Butler and Isabella. Whichever one's good, I've got a good receiver. Yeah, except you don't, good ha- pick. You don't have – Good round three pick I mean, for obviously, sure. if you were doing team. a fantasy draft, though, this wouldn't be on the same team for you. Don't You'd have details. <laughs> that could be a five-team league or four-team, however many people are drafting right now. Uh, I'll go Kelvin Harmon. Okay. Potential starter for Washington at wide receiver and just a big beast on the outside. That's 27 overall, Kelvin Harmon. little wide receiver run here. I'm just trying to catch up. Deontay Johnson was the one I missed. Deontay Johnson was the last pick of round two at 24 overall. Jamie, you're on the clock at 28. Yeah, it's uh, very similar to what I did with uh, Deontay Johnson, trusting in the Steelers' ability to find receivers. I'm going to trust the Chiefs' ability to find running backs. I'm going to take Darwin Thompson, who would not surprise me if he's the best running back in Kansas City this year. He was what, like a fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick? Sixth-round pick. I believe he was the last pick of round six. All right, I'll just take the quarterbacks. So I'll go with Dwayne Haskins at 29. Good. <laughs> I didn't want to take him. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do a recap pretty right, soon. I'm take Daniel Jones like your team. <laughs> quarterback of the board. <laughs> so we're at pick oh thirty gosh. now. Pick thirty, yeah. I get one more pick after this one. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I'll take <laughs> Justice Hill. He's, He's been taken. He was taken. To the he, well, he was, I'm just gonna go ahead and take the guy. 20th. I was gonna wait and take. I'll take Bruce Anderson. Bruce may, Anderson may just be the best running back in Tampa. Mister Anderson. Oh, this is the undrafted free agent, Bruce Anderson. Yes. Thirty. Okay, Dave. Thirty-one. Jalen Hurd, San Francisco. Oh, he might move guy to, to he take might move to tight end. Wait around on what? He might move to tight end, right? Is that well, who yeah. knows where he'll move? That's to. what Hopefully uh, he just plays. That's what Shanahan said um, that they could see Jalen Hurd moving to tight end down the road. I'll be happy if he moves off the sideline. Same. Okay, uh, Jamie, thirty-two. Um, I get two more picks, right? Yes, you have this pick and then the last pick. Okay, so I'm going to take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go off the Steelers report that Benny Snell may get some work. I'm gonna take Benny Snell here. That's a good one, Benny Snell, Steelers running back. All right, this is my last pick. Let's make it a good one. Let's go with Ryquel Armstead for Jacksonville. Ooh. That's what I was debating. Yeah, there's certainly an an opportunity that you could see a fairly realistic one that they are looking at another running back next year. And Armstead could have the opportunity to step in and be that guy. So he's. I don't see really a difference between him and uh, Madison in terms of opportunity. Well, I see that the difference to me is better opportunity this year. Yeah, opportunity in the future. I think it's better for Armstead because because of how much they've been frustrated with uh, Fournette. Do we have a uh, Do we have uh, practice squad spots in this league? Sure. Well, you want to carry everyone on my roster. You have to carry everyone. Okay, then I'll go with Hunter Renfro. And I think there's a sneaky opportunity there if Antonio Brown just completely divas out and destroys Carr. Renfro could be a very, very good slot receiver for a quarterback that doesn't want to throw the ball more than four yards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a yeah, no, and no he's sneaky. I can't, no I can't wait to make baseball no, jokes right, about not, Hunter right. Renfro. Uh, Dave, 35th. He ain't a hog molly, but I know that in 2022... <laughs> He's going to be a great quarterback for the New York football Giants. I'll take Daniel Jones, We've got who was made by the hand of God. Worst pick David in the Cutcliffe. draft. We've got a new worst pick in the draft. Yeah, worst pick. <laughs> uh, JB, what's our last pick? It's the second to last pick. <laughs> Guy who might end up being pretty good someday. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Drew Locke. All right, there you go, Drew Locke. Well, I'm just going to say that if, I, if you'd have told me I had a practice squad spot, I would have taken Will Greer ahead of... Um, Daniel Jones. Yeah, I don't understand your Will Greer love. He's really good. Yeah, but it's he's good. It's just situation. a terrible. It, well, if I put him on the practice squad. I just wait for three years, four yeah. years, and maybe until maybe. Cam gets hurt and he plays the last two games of the season, and then somebody trades a second round pick for him. No, no, no. He's not touched by the Patriots. Oh, oh that's you know that we should have drafted Jared Stidham. 
Like that's, no, we shouldn't have. that's a team I trust. I have him ahead of Daniel Jones. Who's your highest ranked player that wasn't picked? Heath? Will Greer. <laughs> Mine is Dexter Williams. Jimmy, All right, do you we have got, one? Oh, yeah. Is there one other guy that you wanted to take that? Riley Ridley was the other choice. Yeah, he's Dave right Jamie, behind Dexter Williams for me. Do you guys have to go now, Dave and Jamie? Yeah, we probably should. Jamie, do you want to talk about Game of Thrones? Sure. Okay, listen. So here's here's what's going to happen on the show. After we talk about Game of Thrones, Heath and I will recap the rookie draft and hopefully read some emails. Um, and then I right, speak. Come on, come I gotta back. go. Okay, relax. I'm talking to the listeners. So so fast forward for um, for two minutes. You're going to uh, talk about Game of Thrones? We have to. Can I fast forward for two minutes? <laughs> you can leave. <laughs> it was the greatest hour and a half of my life. Wow. It was, Did you tell your wife that? <laughs> <laughs> your son? It was the best. It was so amazing. I loved it. You, you didn't have any issue with uh, the way they shot it? No. I, apparently, okay, I know a lot of people did, but what the what the guy who was responsible for the lighting said, um, well, what a lot of people say, if you watched it on a TV in a dark room, you were fine, and that's exactly what I did. did yeah, you? same here. I mean, still a lot of people had an issue with it. There, like, you, could, you could certainly complain if you want to complain. I'm surprised that wasn't one of your complaints, knowing you. My only complaint was that. There we go. I mean, come on, let's be let's be real here. There's no way that the people who survived would have survived. Yes, uh, Sam all of a sudden becoming the the ferocious fighter that he was and fighting off you know ten White Walkers at a time on his back, like on his back. Come on. Well, they had they had Jon Snow. I mean, he probably killed all of them, right? No. Uh, well, Jon Snow being surrounded by <laughs> essentially the entire uh, yeah uh, army. Did he kill any of them? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. He uh, got saved by a dragon at one point, but um, you know, yeah. it, it's really when you see how they foreshadowed Arya's destiny, it, you realize it's the best show. I mean, it's not the always you, the character you complained about the most. So I did. I do. I should have. I said it wrong. I don't dislike Arya the character. I really found her storyline to be very boring. Like all the prior scenes to, prior to prior to yeah, like when she was learning, I found it to be very boring. But what happened in this episode? redeemed all of that it just it made the parts of the show that i didn't like it made me like them this show this episode was so good to me that it you know it made it made me like episodes i previously didn't like i I just was blown away it was unbelievable i I will i will say this though i because i told you i've been watching previous seasons so i'm up to the end of season six i watched i watched battle of the bastards again last night and that fight scene is better Without question. But, but this was an hour and a half. All right, the last thing is it, I, I – It's different, but it's just like the way that they shot that one with the, the camera basically on someone's back is better. All right, last thing. So I, I, uh, I told Dave and Heath this, but I was visibly – I was shaking. I was physically shaking during the – almost the entire episode. Like I just was so tense. I actually really did care about the characters, it turns out, and I couldn't stop shaking. So <laughs> – my wife. Did you, did you realize how bad your your opinion was on the season before? Well, hold on. I mean, the show before. No, episode it was two? still a boring episode. But but this was so I was like I couldn't stop shaking honestly. So we took like my wife was like I need a bathroom break. So about forty five minutes in, we paused the show. We go to I, separately. We go to the bathroom. I am still shaking. I peed all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I just I couldn't stop shaking. I was like, "Oh my god, this is terrible!" Oh my god, the visual. Yeah, that is so embarrassing. It was uh, it was embarrassing, but it's it also, the most embarrassing detail you've ever shared on the show, and that is saying something. I told everyone too. I thought it was so funny, but that's what Game of Thrones did to me. In my mind's eye, it's Steven Universe peeing all over a red and pink bathroom. <laughs> what? Were you crying while this was happening? No, I was. I was not at all. Um, by the way. Uh, Okay, get, get get the hell out of here. Jamie and I will uh will our Heath and ah Heath and I will finish. You're up. nervous. I'm shaking. Watch out, Heath. You might get some splatter. Okay. Uh, and hey, special thanks to Brian, our listener, for coming on and uh, being here to see the show. Now that we know awesome why you stuff. sit when you pee. Oh, <laughs> wow. oh wow. boy. Okay, so Heath, um, Josh Jacobs one, Montgomery two, Miles Sanders three, Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf. Paris Campbell, A.J. Brown, five wide receivers. So three running backs, five wide receivers. Then Hawkinson, Butler, Hakeem Butler, 10. Noah Fant, Nicole Hardman. That's your top 12. It has two tight ends, three running backs, and seven wide receivers. 
Yeah, and I think that was one of the things I wrote about in my top 40 rookie dynasty rankings that you can access on cbssports.com. I would expect after the first four or five picks, or maybe even after the first two, your drafts are going to go very, very heavy on pass catchers, whether it's wide receivers or tight ends. In my top 24, I've got two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 16 of my top 24 are wide receivers or tight ends. Um, the only two players that went in the first round that are not in my top 12 are Marquise Brown and Michael Hardman, but I can understand the case for both of them. Okay, so round two, 13th overall, Kyler Murray, Debo Samuel, excuse me, <clears throat> Devin Singletary, Daryl Henderson, Bryce Love, Miles Boykin, Jay Sternberger, we can stop there. Kyler Murray, Debo Samuel, Devin Singletary, Daryl Henderson, Bryce Love, Miles Boykin, and Jay Sternberger. Anything jump out there? I mean, I already made my comment known on the Bryce Love pick. I just didn't love him before the draft, and I don't think like I guess the hope there is that Geis just suffers another injury because I don't think he's anywhere close to the talent that Geis is. Well, you know. Going into last year, I feel like Love at Stanford was regarded as a Heisman Trophy candidate, um, a workhorse, even though he's kind of small, tough as hell, and and a lot of speed. So I don't know if he's as talented at Geis as Geis. This is obviously a gamble on, on Geis not being the same. But I don't really see why Daryl Henderson should go ahead of Bryce Love, because Todd Gurley is obviously better than than everyone. I, I well, okay, no, I, I see why Henderson should go ahead. But I don't see why they should be that far apart. They went back to back. So they weren't that far apart in this draft. The reason I think they're that far apart is a couple of things. One, Geis is a, what, 23, 24-year-old who just had an ACL surgery, which we've pretty much seen most young players just come back from that fine. It's not an issue. Gurley has an unspecified, maybe some sort of tendonitis of the knee. And then the bigger thing is, if you took Geis out of the equation, if you took Gurley out of the equation, one of them is in a very, very good offensive system that just made C.J. Anderson a star. The other one plays for Washington. The, things change, though, you know, sure. offensively. Things change. If you want to look past the next three or four years, yeah. No, I. Adrian Peterson was a lot better than we imagined last year. And they had a ton That's, of injuries on their offensive line, but they actually, Washington does have talent on their offensive line. So they they, yeah. they had, you know, they've been able to run the ball. Okay. Uh, Miles Boykin is after Bryce Love, then Jay Sternberger. told you that. Justice Hill, Irv Smith would be the fourth tight end off the board. Uh, what do you think about Sternberger over Smith? I actually like Smith better than Sternberger. I, I, I think they are very similar in terms of situation. Um, the whole a tight end for Aaron Rodgers thing, I'm just not sure how much I buy that. Understood, yeah. I, I think I keep calling him Sternberger, and it's Stern... Oh, no, I was right, Sternberger. It is Sternberger. Yeah, okay. I think I thought it was Sternberger for a second. Sternberger. Um, Justice Hill, Herb Smith, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, Deontay Johnson. So those are the last five picks of the round after Sternberger. Justice Hill, Herb Smith, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, and Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I like Justice Hill because uh, he is—he does something in that backfield that nobody else does. I think he'd be a good complement to Ingram. I'm not sure that I would rather have Darwin Thompson than Justice Hill, but that's a, a small nitpick. Yeah, Justice Hill was the guy, if you listened to the show a few weeks ago, that I told Ryan Wilson that I said, I, I spent some time watching YouTube highlights this morning, and the running back I love is Justice Hill, and he's just... Obviously, don't take too much of that, but he is super fast and talented. Just he's small and gets hurt. Uh, last round, last 12 picks, Arcega Whiteside, JJ Arcega Whiteside, Andy Isabella, Kelvin Harmon, Darwin Thompson, who Heath just says he likes a little bit better than uh, Justice Hill, uh, Dwayne Haskins, Bruce Anderson. Yeah, any thoughts on that? I screwed up when I took Isabella. Um over Haskins. I think Haskins probably should have been a second round pick, late second round pick, so that was a very good pick. Um I the Bruce Anderson thing could be completely wrong. I want to recognize that for all the people listening to the podcast. Uh 
at this time of year. I am excited about him. I do think that he can be better than Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Tampa Bay invested nothing in him, though. But if you're picking somebody in the third round of a rookie draft, you're not investing much either. Sure. And there are not any other backs that I think could legitimately be a feature back in 2019. And the final six picks are Jalen Hurd, Benny Snell, Ryquel Armstead, Hunter Renfro, Daniel Jones, and Drew Locke. I kind of poo-pooed Jalen Hurd a little bit, and it's not because I don't – I think he's a very talented athletic kid, and I don't dislike him. The problem for me is I think right now if he plays receiver, he's definitively behind Dante Pettis. And in my opinion, he's definitively behind Debo. If he changes over to tight end, he's way behind George Kittle. If he goes back to playing running back, they've already got 17 of those. And then even if he does overcome someone, this looks to me like an offense where they don't want to have an alpha at any one position other than tight end. They're going to just spread the ball around like crazy. So I don't think there's a very good likelihood he makes an impact, and I don't think there's very much upside if he happens to beat somebody out. I'm going to try to read some emails, Heath. I didn't get the chance to put them in my notes, so I'm going to go through my inbox, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This one comes from Dustin. Dustin is in a 12-team half PPR dynasty league. He needs to, he needs to drop one of these players to get out of his salary cap uh, situation. Um, and they are all valued similarly in this league. So he has to drop one. Does he drop Tyreek Hill, Jordan Howard, or Russell Wilson? Tyreek Hill, Jordan Howard, or Russell Wilson? I, I mean, I think Jordan Howard is the obvious one off the jump, but then, like, what's Tyreek Hill's situation, you know? We have no idea, and I think that's why it probably has to be Howard right now. Okay. Um, because they're, like, I don't know how I would assign probabilities, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think there could be a four-game suspension and he's just playing. Mike from Milwaukee says, hey, Devin, David, and Daryl. Devin, David, and Daryl. They were just drafted by us. They're they're running backs. They are third-round running backs. Uh, He wants to know why we just assume David Montgomery is going to be the starting running back. In fact, Michael from Milwaukee thinks Mike Davis is going to win that job. I think it's possible that Mike Davis wins that job. I don't know that there's a huge difference between Davis and Montgomery in term, like until Montgomery proves himself in the NFL. But the fact that the Bears, who were very, very short on draft picks, made the decision to trade up to get Montgomery when they already had Davis on the roster is what makes me think that Montgomery's going to win it. Here's an email from Charles. Hey, Model 101, T1000, and TX. Was was the original Terminator? Obviously, I know what T one thousand is. I don't know the others, but I'm wondering: was the original Terminator model one hundred and one? Could have been. Twelve team half PPR league. Uh, pick two keepers for one year: Rashad Penny in the fifth, Marlon Mack in the seventh, Ronald Jones in the ninth, Darius Geis in the twelfth, Chris Godwin in the thirteenth, and Hunter Henry in the fifteenth. I got mine. So I am going to let's let's go through and just eliminate the easy ones to eliminate. You're not keeping Penny. You're not keeping Ronald uh, Jones. You're not keeping Ronald Jones. So, so then us, we've got Mac in the seventh. Right. I, I'm I don't think I'm keeping Henry either. Oh, really? Okay. So Mac in the seventh, Geis in the twelfth, Godwin in the thirteenth, and Henry in the fifteenth. Interesting. I thought you would keep Henry. I kind of think I want to keep I kind of think I want to keep Mac and Godwin. I definitely want to keep Mac. Like I understand Geis five rounds later could end up being better value, but Mac in the seventh is just like it's safe, it's good value, you do it. So you're going Godwin in the thirteenth instead of Henry in the fifteenth or Geis in the twelfth. Yeah, because I would pick Godwin a couple rounds before I pick Henry, and okay. I'd pick Godwin well before I'd pick Geis. All right, and how about one more here from? Brent, dear Tony, Steve, Bruce, and Clint. Is that comic that, book stuff? Those I don't. I am not like I've never read a comic book in my life. I've watched most of the movies. I don't know who Clint is. That's why I'm Clint. Who the hell is Clint? Clint Barton. Who is Clint Barton? Come on, Heath. Who's Clint Barton? I don't know. He's Hawkeye. Oh, he's ah, uh, yeah, yeah. What's that guy's name? 
Jeremy Remmer or something? Sure. Jeremy Renner. There you go. Uh, here's the email from Jeremy Renner. 10-team PPR league, keep six. I need my last two. Godwin, Pettis, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, and Kenyon Drake. Godwin, Pettis, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, Kenyon Drake. So Godwin's the easy one for me. You like Godwin, like, you like Godwin better I, than Pettis? I do. Okay. Yeah, for sure after the draft. Um, Because I'm not 100% sure that Pettis is going to be better than Samuel. And at the very least, I think his targets will be impacted. Um, I I am really, really struggling a lot with Kenyon Drake. Because we've got that five-game stretch where they actually gave him a workhorse load, and he was awesome. And they didn't draft anybody that I think is actually competition for him. So it really just comes down to whether you think Kalen Balazs is actually better or you think that someone else's another coaching staff is going to think, yeah, Kenyon Drake's awesome when we give him the ball, but we shouldn't give him the ball so much. I have a hard time taking him over OJ Howard here, but well, even Howard though is like I Howard is the guy I would be trying to decide, and Howard has some questions himself. He he does. Like yeah, he's particularly. Ne- I don't think he's PR. ever had fifty targets in a season, and he's got a head coach or an offensive system that hasn't historically targeted tight ends. I think that's going to change, but it's enough to question. And I think I would go with Drake and Godwin. Okay. Taking Goblin and Howard would be interesting because you have two on the same team there. Teammate strategy, friendship strategy. But I, I support it. Drake and Godwin, thanks for listening, everybody. We're done. It was awesome to have Ben on, to have Brian listening, to have all of you out there. And Heath, thanks for coming on doing the Dynasty Draft. Glad to do it. That's Heath Cummings. I'm Adam Azer. For Dave, for Jamie, for Ben, for Brian. Talk to you on probably Monday, maybe Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you later.